That's the look. Right there, John. That is the look. That must have been the look on his face. That other John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, that day when Jesus came to him at the Jordan River. There's John, this kind of backwards guy, scruffy-looking, uh, bewildering kind of man who, who lives on locusts and wild honey, right, way out in the woods where he lives. This backwoods fella there at the Jordan that day, slack-jawed at Jesus, while all the other eyes looked on. Me? Are you, are you kidding? Me? You want me to baptize you? I've been out here preaching in the wilderness about repentance, about turning from your sin and leading a new life, symbolized by this washing, this baptism I've been doing where people are getting cleansed from the things they've done wrong. And now you want to come and be baptized by me? What do you, what do you have to repent of? It's a little, it's a little backwards. John actually tries to stop Jesus in this episode, by the way. The text, it's, it's so short, but the force of it is John was, was trying to restrain Jesus from letting him do this. But Jesus convinces John, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And John surrenders to him. Backwards. God, God is a little backwards sometimes. He's like that friend of yours. I, maybe you don't have a friend like this, but I think most of us have a friend or a person we can put in our minds who... Like you're always a little nervous when you're around them because you just you don't know what they're going to do, right? Like they're going to do something that's going to make you laugh or is <laughs> going to make you shake your head, uh, roll your eyes, right? It's like, oh, what is she? What is she doing now? Oh, oh gosh, did, did he really just say that? And part of you is always kind of concerned that your friend is going to do or say something and all the eyes that are around are going to look at you, right? You're going to be caught off guard by what they did, and, and now you look backwards or feel backwards. God's kind of like your friend, kind of like your friend. He's different. He's backwards. This week in the story, uh, this book we've been going through uh, of the Bible, it was kind of like a, a highlight reel, this chapter, of God's backwards ways. He's upsetting the status quo, blowing all of the expectations out of the water. God, the, the creator of the universe, the savior of the nations that humanity's been pining for their whole existence, this thing that's going to set them free, and there's no red carpet. There's no big media production, no flash photography. There's just some cows in the stable that he's born in. 
We talked last week about Jesus as a boy and how he upset uh, the expectations of his mom, right? Acting in kind of a, a strange way. And as I alluded already, Jesus just keeps doing that. He grows up, but he doesn't grow out of that childlike pattern in his life. As an adult, Jesus just keeps going. He's, uh, he's a Jew hanging out with a Samaritan. You don't do that. You don't do that. He's a, a man in the first century in Palestine, and he is talking with and giving respect to a woman, which didn't, that, that didn't exist for women in the first century. That level of respect, that kind of honor paid to them, Jesus is going against the culture. He's going against the grain, and the disciples, they show back up, and they're like, right, no one's looking, right? The, no one's seeing this. Je- Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? They blush. Jesus is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, and so the religious elite are a little skeptical that this guy is really who he says he is. Because, I mean, come on, God, he's not going to be hanging out with those people, right? And, and, and Jesus is from where? From Nazareth? That backwoods town? Here he is at the Jordan River, getting baptized by John. And John must (laughs) be sitting there thinking, this is weird. Why is this happening to me? This is backwards. You ever feel backwards? You ever feel different? Do you ever feel backwards about your faith? Backwards about this whole Christianity thing? I mean, think about it. You're here on a Sunday morning. You know, it's early. You could have slept in, could have had a nice long weekend, feel more rested, and you showed up here. I mean, come on, that's a little backwards, right? There's a growing skepticism in our land today, about people who claim to be Christians, about people who claim Christianity for themselves, because it's kind of seen as backwards. I mean, really? You you believe in a guy who did miracles? God Almighty, he, He spoke words and the universe came into existence? I mean, come on. Isn't that just superstition? Where's the science in any of that? How how can you really believe that and operate like a rational human being like the rest of us? You'd have to be pretty backwards to believe that. And if you haven't yet felt backwards about being a Christian, you will. I promise you, if you follow Jesus, you will find yourself in situations where you feel a little backwards. And it might not be in a conversation about faith and science, which, by the way, are not opposed. Uh, Just so you know, we can talk about that another time. But when you come into this moment where you feel a little backwards, know that you're not alone. You're not alone 
and you're not the first. We heard in our gospel reading, uh, the one from John, about a guy named Nathaniel, right? One of the, the followers, one of the 12 of Jesus' disciples. And you heard him say when he heard from his brother Philip where Jesus was from, could anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel is skeptical. Following this Jesus guy sounds a little backwards. And that was just the start. It wouldn't be the last time that the disciples were a little confounded by Jesus and his ministry. And you've got to believe that there were plenty of times when the disciples thought to themselves, oh no, no, there he goes again, Jesus. Jesus, can't you, can't you just be normal? Can't you just be normal for once? And I wonder if we haven't thought the same thing from time to time. Just wish that following Jesus would be more normal, that Jesus would be more normal, that we could fit in and follow Jesus. Like when we were at that party, you know, that one time, and every, everybody else was doing it, whatever it was. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't at the party. But you were. You remember that time, and, and, and you were there, and then you had this moment of crisis, right? Because inside, you, you, you heard this, like, little voice saying, no, no, don't do that. No, you, like, that's not going to be good for you. Steer away from that, right? And, it, and that was the Holy Spirit actually working in you, convicting you, and guiding you in the direction of Jesus. But we kind of talk back, right, and we say, but... I mean, I just want to fit in. Come on. Come on, Spirit. I just want to be normal. Or when you were in that situation where the truth really needed to come out. The truth really needed to be spoken, but you knew that if you said it, it was going to be costly. And you thought, well, gosh, wouldn't it just be easier if I spoke a half-truth? Or told a little white lie, or wow, you, let's just pretend that it never happened. Let's just ignore it. I don't, I don't really need to say anything on this. We'll just, just move on, right? But then you heard the voice of Jesus saying, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Or maybe you found yourself in a conversation with a friend and you're talking, and all of a sudden, you just have this inclination to bring up Jesus, right? There's something that they said, and it triggered this thing in your mind, and, and Jesus is in there now, <laughs> and he's kind of longing, you know, to, to come out. Like, he wants you to, to talk about him, but you're like, ah, no, I don't, I don't think this is right, and we're kind of flubbing our words, and we're, Jesus, can you get out of there, please, because now I'm distracted, and we're just worried that if we say his name, we're going to look backwards. We're going to feel backwards. We're going to be weird. Can't we just be normal? Normal. What does it even mean to be normal? Let's think about that for a second. What does it mean to be normal in our world? What are some normal things? 
it's normal in our world uh, to be overlooked, to be kind of unseen, to be forgotten, to feel like no one really cares about you. Unless you happen to be one of those kind of exceptionally rare people who are just like, you know, stunningly beautiful. And it's like they walk into a place and like all the heads go, they snap, you can hear the next snap. And they get attention wherever they go, right? Not, not because they really did anything, per se, but just because of how they look on the outside. That's normal. It's normal in, in the world for uh, people who are kind of downtrodden and less than to be pushed to the margins of society. And then it's normal for us to keep them there, right? Because we really don't want to hear about their problems. We really don't want to have to do anything about their problems. If they could just keep their problems down, tone it down a little bit, because from where I'm sitting, things are kind of good. I don't have to help with that. I don't have to think about that. Oh, that's normal. And it's normal for people to want to be on the in, right? Whatever the in group is. And people vie their way into that in group. And, and you'll even have people, maybe close friends, who they, they had been with you and you had been there for them. You had stuck with them through some really tough stuff, but then they got their chance. And they left you behind so that they could be in the in group. You're like, really? <laughs> well, you would have too, right? That's just, that's just normal. It's natural selection. The strong survive, right? That's a world without the supernatural, isn't it? And the world is kind of like this big tower that everyone is just shoving and pushing and climbing on top of each other to, to get ahead and to get to that point, whatever that point is on the tower, that point where they think, oh, once I'm there, once I have reached that, then, then the world will look on me with adoration and praise. Then maybe I'll really be something or somebody then people will care when, when, I've, when I've achieved this much or, or made this much money when I finally say the right things. Maybe when I finally found the one, right? The person who will marry me and, and love me. Then I'll finally be enough. That's what's normal in our world. Everyone's on a quest to find significance and to feel valued or, or die trying. And some of the ways that we try to get there are pretty backwards, if you ask me. But God shows us a different way. He's a different kind of guy and a different kind of God. He alluded to it briefly when he was talking to Nathaniel. It's at the, the tail end of that John gospel reading. Jesus said something weird, you know, figures. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Okay, what's that mean? Because <laughs> that's strange, and no one talks like that. Jesus is alluding to a story uh, that Nathaniel may have picked up on because uh, he was an Israelite. So it's a story way back at the beginning in the book of Genesis when there's a guy named Jacob who saw angels ascending and descending on this kind of a, a ladder, right? Jacob's ladder. You've probably heard of that. Or maybe at least heard the song, Huey Lewis. That guy, Jacob, when he has that dream, it's a low point in his life. Right? It's a low point. He had just deceived his own father to get uh, this blessing from him. His older brother was out to kill him, and so he's on the run. He's running away for his life. And so he's been ostracized by his family, his community. He, you know, he's feeling basically worthless. And then he has this dream. <laughs> and it's, it, it changes. It's like an epiphany, right? It changes him. And he wakes up and he's like, I feel like I can be something new, something again. I, I, there's someone out there and I've found him. It's here in this place. And Jacob, when he wakes up from that dream, he says, this here, this is the gate to heaven thinking that that place of earth that he had this dream was, was special. He set up an altar there, right? Because this, this land, this ground he was on was holy. Then along comes Jesus, and he says, you've got it backwards. Jesus says, it's not a place, it's me. It's a person. I'm the gate, I'm the way to significance, to heaven. You're going to see heaven opened. Heaven, that's, you know, a, a word that means significance, a word that uh, kind of describes a, a life of satisfaction. What are those hopes and dreams that we have? That's heaven. And Jesus says, it's here. It's me. And if you follow me, you're going to see that, th those heavens opened, and those angels are going to be ascending and descending on me. Those ideals aren't way up here somewhere. They're right here. But so often we get caught up in the rat race. I mean, do we not? We get caught climbing up the ladder. And there's really only two things that can happen to you when you're on that ladder, by the way. Uh, one is you fall off. Uh, and it doesn't matter how high or how low you are on the ladder. Right? I mean, think about, like, who are the highest people in, in, in our culture, in the world, right? Like celebrities. You know, they got all the fame, they got all the money, beautiful. Something happens in their life, comes into the light, canceled. You're gone. You're up here. Nope, now we hate you. You were up high on the ladder for a while, but oh, you shouldn't have done that thing. Boom. So you can, you can fall off the ladder, and I think we've probably all fallen off, at least slipped a couple rungs down. No, it wasn't the whole world or, you know, whoever's watching TV that was canceling us, but maybe a friend, maybe our family, maybe some community we, we hurt. So you can fall off. Or two, you can always keep going up. You can keep climbing the ladder, but realize that you're not really going up at least in this like metaphor where a ladder is trying to get you to significance in your life, you're not going up. You're going nowhere. 
because there will come a moment. It always comes, this moment where you kind of have like this, this awakening, and you realize, like you snapped out of the dream, like Jacob, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I've, I've, I was here, now I'm there, I've climbed up a few rungs, but I'm still dissatisfied with my life. I don't feel like I've arrived. I feel the same way I did seven rungs ago. And what's the deal with this? Why, why am I still dissatisfied? Why am I still frustrated? And, and in that moment, when we're disturbed, that's, that's Jesus. Jesus is out there disturbing the peace. He's out there messing with us in the best of ways. But maybe we say when Jesus comes along, would you just give it a rest? I don't, I don't want to think about how discontented I am. Just leave it alone, Jesus. Get, go away. And we try, to, we try to shove down that moment of holy discontent. But Jesus says, no, I won't. No, I won't give it a rest. I'm going to keep coming and keep coming for you because I'm not coming to disturb your peace. This isn't peace. It's just normal. You've settled. But I have so much more I have come to offer you. I have so much more that I want to come give you. And if you will let me in, you will see those heavens open. You'll see those angels coming up and down on me because I have come to bring you in your life all of that satisfaction, all of these good things, and I'm not going to stop. And the hardest thing for us to do is to do what John the Baptist did, to surrender, to bow down like Aaron said, prostrate ourselves, let Jesus in. And maybe it's hard because we've hardened ourselves, because it's a fight out there. It always is. And that's where we spend most of our time, so we get used to that, that normal. But Jesus is backwards. He's different. And don't deceive yourself, or don't be deceived by the world in thinking that you are too backwards that you are too twisted, that God could, could never truly love you for who you are or in spite of what you've done. Because Jesus says to all of us, come and see. Come and see. Try me. Get out of the boat. Walk with me for just a little while. And maybe you're, you're thinking already, maybe like the mental blocks are coming up and you're saying, I can't. I have tried to get out of this boat. I've tried to trust him. I, I cannot do it. I've tried, to, I've tried to turn around in my life, and I can't seem to, to get past these things. And you're right. You can't. He can. Sound backwards? Come and see. Come and see what my baptism was all about. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Did he need to, to turn around from something in his life? No. 
Jesus gets baptized so that He can identify with every single one of us in this room. Jesus becomes one of us in His baptism. He's, he's putting Himself with those who uh, could identify with Him then, those who have been bogged down by their sin. Those of us in this room who have lived backwards, twisted lives. Jesus identifies with us so that we can put ourselves into His shoes and identify with Him and and see those heavens opened and see that Spirit of God that came down on Jesus, see it come down on us, that created this world, see it recreate us into something new, something we've never been. Jesus is baptized so we can look at the Father and hear the Father say to me, to you, you are my son. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my daughter, my beloved. I'm in love with you. Was it backwards for Jesus to be baptized? You bet. And he would stay on that backwards path all the way to the cross where this beautiful mess of of paradoxical Christianity gets focused. There's a song by an artist called John Foreman, a song called Mercy's War. I'm just going to read a couple lines from that song because he puts it really well. John writes, I was looking for excuses And you offered me my soul in the name of all my weakness, in the name of rock and roll. By your sickness, I am healed. Because they broke you, I am whole. Oh, the wonderful blood of Jesus. I was chasing after safety when my world went up in flames. I watched all my defenses wash like ashes down the drain. I thought you were a stranger, but you called me out by name. Oh, the wonderful blood of Jesus. What is your normal, Ben? What's a pattern in your life you have felt Jesus trying to disturb? Where is God calling you to be different? How might your life look new if you surrender to Jesus? Come and see. In Jesus' name, amen.